Bienvenue à l'Hôtel Le Plaza, Bruxelles. Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome again to a new episode of HR Meetup live from the Plaza Hotel, which accompanies us every month and proudly sponsored by Talent Square. Now we have a new guest in front of our mic, but I let first our second animator introduce herself. Hi, I'm Amanda and uh, we're trying to ask some relevant questions today. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, of course, it's all up to our guest for those questions, um, <laughs> but I let him introduce himself also. Hi, so I'm Jeroen Jans and I'm the co-founder of the Brussels Mindfulness Institute. To begin uh, this interview, you were at our last Cook and Book event. How did it go? How was your experience? It was very nice and it's very encouraging and grateful to, to see so many people interested in mindfulness, in particular in mindfulness in the workplace. I found that very, uh, very exciting. For those who weren't there, of course, uh, at Cook and Book, if you would have to uh, put a little resume of, of what happened during the night, well, what would it be? Did we all uh, sit in med meditation or...? We were all sitting cross-legged and chanting. Uh. <laughs> no, no, not really, not at all. Around no. the campfire then. It was, uh, it was Singing very... Singing Kumbaya. <laughs> exactly. Kumbaya. It was all, it was very down to earth. Uh, there were a lot of people from... Companies with uh, real needs uh, around stress, around burnout, around leadership. And we discussed how mindfulness can help them in the workplace and on a day-to-day -day basis to, to deal with their challenges. You said there were people from different companies that really had the need. Do you notice that nowadays the actual trends is that more and more societies are coping with the same problems? Or... Yes, I mean, there is an increasing perception that people are ongoing connected to social media, to email, and find it hard to disconnect. And um, work pressure is, of course, uh, reality. Um, the crisis has been quite difficult for people. And if you combine all these things, uh, you could almost speak of a perfect storm uh, in which um, people are reaching out, reaching out for, for ways to disconnect For ways to find space to to reflect, to think clearly, and to come up with better answers. So it's like the perfect storm, but that isn't earning money, but losing money for the company. Yes, I mean, if you look uh, to the to the issue of stress, there are many estimates, but uh, for Be for Belgium and uh, just alone, and if you count not just absenteeism, people that are at home because of burnouts. Uh, but also presenteeism, people that are stressed and just not working effectively. It's a, it's a multiple uh, multiple billion number. Even today, there's there's uh, an article that was released about uh, absenteeism never been so high before mm -hmm. uh, yes. in, in companies. So it's definitely uh, something that we need to look at. We need to cope with it as society, but also as a human being. Because um, like you said, we can't disconnect uh, anymore um, I think I have the same problem and I think also um, you get quite the expectation that the company wants you to be connected you know you, you, that it's it's like for me per personally I, I have the feeling that um, when you're connected and you don't answer people are like what happened you know um, mm. were you okay is something wrong mm. if you can't answer your phone within five seconds 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's true that there is a general expectation that people are connected. But fortunately, people are seeing more and more the results of being continuously connected and and the difficulty and the stress levels that those bring. And so you see now, uh, slowly but surely, a bit of a counterbalance where companies, uh, companies like big companies like Volkswagen, are shutting off mail servers at night. And companies become more aware of uh, that there is a need for people to, to shut down and that not every email is urgent. And, um, and also giving very practical tools, uh, suggestions that people deal with email at certain designated hours and not check their email like 500 mm. times a day. There was actually going to be a, a question um, from me to you, because yeah, we've, we've, we've been talking about how all these issues are now more and more present, but mm. um, so have, and, and that we're more and more noticing them, but do you see a trend in um, companies actually wanting to do something about it? Like what you said about Volkswagen mm-hmm. shutting down email servers, but mm. Do you think that there is a general trend towards being more mindful towards your employees nowadays? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, uh, of course, it all depends on the intention right behind that, in, in, you know, increasing action within companies to do something about it. You know, on a very basic level, and, and, and that's, that's reality, people are looking at numbers. They're seeing that uh, burnout and stress cost a lot of money and therefore action is warranted. But very I think, pragmatic. Very pragmatic, yes. But increasingly, I see also people rising, you know, beyond that and, and saying that we, you know, we should find ways to do and be more clever and, 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 and really go much deeper. And, and what's so interesting, I find, is that mindfulness is no longer just associated at work with dealing with stress, but it's also increasingly a matter of leadership, allowing people to take time to reflect on what's going on, what is needed now, and therefore coming up with much better solutions. And then you also see it increasingly in talent programs uh, for high potentials that are getting the tools to not just self-manage, but also manage their teams better. Mm. And also the last thing I thought was very interesting, I spoke recently at a conference around uh, intrapreneurship and creativity. And again, there you see a very clear interest Uh, with business leaders uh, in mindfulness as a tool to give people, again, the space to be creative and not just, you know, focus on delivering the next whatever it is, email presentation, but also just taking time out to allow things to happen. And that's where you come in, you and your organization, in in that process? Yes, so uh, our institute provides uh, a number of types of mindfulness in educations, both to individuals, to schools, um, but also to companies. And the, when we go to companies, we, we sometimes do just one-off workshops, but we also provide more and more specific programs, programs, as I said, for people managers to deal better and to understand the needs of their teams better, programs for leaders who need to think more clearly and have more space to lead physically, as well as, you know, as I said, for, uh, for innovation managers. Yeah. Mm. Do companies get the right expectations when they come to you? You know, they, they have, they're coping with different problems, with burnouts, with absenteeism. Are they expecting to be the next Google where, where all employees are happy and even staying on the parking lot not to go home? <laughs> well, are, are expectations... Uh, 
Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what happens at Google every day, but um, <laughs> it, it's true that the perception of mindfulness is not always fully accurate. Um, it, it's, you know, it can't solve all world problems, but it's a good start. It's a good start to be in the moment, to be focusing on what is here right now. And, and it provides a level of honesty that, that, um, that is unfortunately sometimes a bit rare. So when you talk about introducing mindfulness in companies, what's interesting I find is that you have a group of people that are not so familiar with mindfulness and may have certain apprehensions about mindfulness. But increasingly you see people that have experienced mindfulness firsthand now, and there's quite an increasing number. And those people that have experienced mindfulness tend to be quite strong advocates of mindfulness. And so what you see is that those people start creating little mindfulness workshops, you know, lunch get-togethers, and those become the, act, the advocates within the company. And that's how you see mindfulness growing within companies, which is quite, uh, quite amazing. If you would, because you have the two parts, you have the, the company itself and you have the employees. Mm-hmm. If you would have to give one suggestion to the company, I mean, practically, uh, so for example, um, organize uh, a team event once a month. I, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you would have to give such a suggestion about mindfulness, one towards the company, mm-hmm. what could they do? And one towards the employees themselves. Just one suggestion to, to make it practical for everyone who's listening. Mm-hmm. What can we expect from mindfulness? Well, I think mindfulness is best experienced. And I sense light of frustration from someone on the other end who's listening now. It's like, how do we experience this? <laughs> well, um, perhaps if you're sitting right now, if you're listening, perhaps become aware of how you're sitting. Feel the contact between your sit bones and the chair. Uh, maybe just become aware of maybe some how your shoulders are perhaps very close to your ears as you're listening. It's like, oh, what is going on? Maybe just try to relax and bring your shoulders down. You know, as you're listening, you may also have a frown on your face, not quite understanding what's going on. And see if you can become aware of your expression right now and see what it does if I ask you now to bring the corners of your mouth just slightly higher. And just a noble effect of just softening your expression, softening your face. It does a lot. Um, now, having said that, mindfulness is not positive psychology. So... Um, it is. It all starts with paying attention to what is here without necessarily needing to change it. So what I would invite people to do is just take some time to stop and pay attention to what's already here. And then ask the question, once you know what's here and what's in front of you, how you're feeling, what do I need right now? It's very simple. Stop, see what you, what's going on for you, And then ask the question, what do I need? And then proceed. And that doesn't take very long, 30 seconds, one minute. And, and if it, you need sleep, that's something not on, on the work floor. Or... That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have increasingly, uh, there, there's an increasing number of companies that uh, allow naps on the workplace and even mm-hmm. provide beds and, uh, and things like that. I'm I, thinking right now, buffer. I've seen those sleeping pods uh, already. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, you can just close up and... Mm-hmm. But um, I have another, I, ha- I have a question actually, um, I've been looking at um, uh, a brochure by, uh, by, the, by, by your institution and, mm-hmm. um, and there's one thing that I don't quite understand on it and it's, um, 
So there's this page that explains the, that shows the differences between parasympathetic and sympathetic. and sympathetic. Yeah. Yes. And uh, could you maybe explain a bit about this? It seems intriguing. Yeah. There's lots of internal organs on that image. Yes. So <laughs> essentially, it's an image of the autonomic nervous system, and um, it shows that the, the way the nervous system works is uh, it's very binary. So you're either in the sympathetic system, which essentially is your stress system, which helps you to run if you see a tiger or a bus coming your way. And that um, pumps energy into your heart, releases certain chemicals. And that system is very helpful. Having said that, if you are all the time in your, in your uh, sympathetic system, then that becomes less helpful and your body starts suffering. So what we do with mindfulness is, A, again, becoming aware of what's going on right now. Am I stressed? Is my body coping well or not? And then two, if needed, finding ways to shift, to shift away from that stress system to the parasympathetic system. And of course, that sounds easy, uh, but you know it requires a bit of focus and active relaxation, if you will, to become more calm, to allow your heart rate to come down, to allow your breathing to slow down, and therefore allow your body to do its regeneration work. You see what I mean? And, you know, this is just an image, but um, we actually also measure that. We measure that with sensors on people, and uh, it's extremely revealing. Um, people are, most of their time, of their waking hours, in their stress system. And what's worse is that they are also, when they get home, they don't switch off. People still check emails, still check, you know, watch TV or on their computers. And, and what you find is that, whereas, you know, in older days, people would find ways and switch off. Nowadays, they, you know, stay switched on, if you will. And the problem is that when you go to sleep, and even if you manage to sleep six, seven, eight hours, during your sleep, you may still be in your sympathetic stress system and therefore you don't recover as well as you should during so your it's sleep. kind of a vicious cycle in which you find yourself of yes. being stressed and not being able to sleep well enough and yeah. then keep basically keeping on with the stress yes and and that's uh, that's a serious problem and of course uh, people notice where this leads to but uh, yeah it's called burnout um the don't know if it's been a couple of months ago that i've seen it uh, pass by but um, there was a person um, who disconnected for a whole year with, from mobile phone, from Facebook, from everything, everything digital. Um, so even GPS, uh, everything. And so um, he wrote a book about it, um, mm -hmm. one year uh, disconnected. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he admitted to have like withdrawal signs uh, at the beginning, no. you know, hesitating to just getting back there and he also said that even if you, you're the one that is disconnected he had to ask for example for the road everyone automatically checks out his mobile his gps they don't even reflect anymore so everyone who wanted to help him mm -hmm. through gps mobile wasn't allowed to so uh, in fact he, he said he missed a lot of his uh, appointments because no one could say to him that it was going to be late or that they were too late or that they weren't coming or anything like that. Mm. But he said it was even more stressful in the beginning to have 
to don't have all those tools than to actually uh, have them, you know, actually be connected. Um, but in the end, he, he also said that, that um, you find different types of, of, of ideas and, and, and manage well, you to adapt. cope with. You, you end up adapting. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. you, you start to live completely different. And, and he's, he's, he's done it a year long. But he was glad he could reconnect with all his friends. But, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, but that, that's a bit that of a radical that... thing. I'm not sure that's something that you would recommend. Recommend. Well, I, would, I would consider it. Yeah. To be honest, if it was possible, I would consider it. Well, it is it... possible. You can always go to I don't know Patagonia and disconnect completely <laughs> and only speak to llamas all day. It's possible. Well, what I find interesting in this discussion is that I, um, it doesn't need to be. Uh, you know, so binary, right? It doesn't need that we completely withdraw from life. I think mindfulness is not asking people to withdraw from life. I think mindfulness is actually asking to be very aware of what's going on here and now and gives you then the tools to cope, right? So that's why I find it also so compelling for companies. We're not telling companies that people should work less or um, should go home at 3 p.m., um, we are helping people, managers, employees, to become more aware what is manageable, what is doable for them, and where it's not so doable, and then to act upon it. I find that notion of having the insights coming to better decisions, and therefore also having a more inherent kind of intrinsic approach to life, uh, very, very helpful. People then, once they've gone through that whole process of having much more clarity, are feel that they are much more committed when they take action. Right? So they feel that they're able to say no when a no is needed. They feel able to say yes and commit to that yes when it's needed. So, uh, you know, I find mindfulness actually, you know, even if looking at my personal life, very helpful in, in just embracing life. You know, I have three small children, three boys. And, you know, my wife works full-time, I work full-time, I have a startup and everything. And, and you know, um, mindfulness is incredibly helpful. Um, my children remind me every day to be in the moment. And if I'm not, I'm in trouble. So, yeah, just to say that um, I think it can be and-and, uh, and not, not necessarily or, see what I mean? If you check out different generations, because, you know, have always those remarks that, when I was young, we, we did this like that. Or when I, when I was young, we went outside to play. Nowadays, children are only playing on the tablets and things like that. Mm. Um, do you think it's just a phase in life in society or is it more? You know, I, I don't think so. I think um, in nature, there's always a balance, right? And uh, I think, honestly, for the last couple of years, we've lost a bit of that balance. But, you know, think about, you know, how long have we been on this planet? A very long time. But it's only been for 100 years that we're flying and, you know, for so many years that we're driving computers for, what, 20 years? Phones. We've overdone ourselves. Well, we're not quite adjusted to it. I mean, it's a bit overwhelming, to be honest, right? So having said that, I, I do observe more and more people who take conscious action to counterbalance that you know, and take time out. And I think are rediscovering the tools and the approaches to find that balance. I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was talking to, in my mindfulness group, about you know, how when you're most stressed, you know that moment when you're late and you're leaving the house and you're taking your stuff in your car and you want to jump in the car and race away, 
I'm inviting them to actually just take a pause, even taking one minute. And it's highly stressful in that minute. But when I apply it to myself, I always find that, you know, I need that breathing space. I always remember one or two things that I have forgotten to take. So that's already a profit, you know. And also I find that I'm, when I enter the car, I'm a little bit more calm and respectful of my fellow citizens on the road. But yeah, but I, listen I, to this. <laughs> you know what that person said when I told this story? He said, you know what's interesting? In Russia, they do this, have been doing this for decades. Or there's a whole tradition that when you leave the house, you first sit and take a moment to breathe. And apparently this is some, you know, very ancient Russian tradition. And perhaps in the old days they were waiting for the stagecoach or I, I don't know. But I find that, you know, there is a natural balance and people, are, you know, coming back to ways to, to cope. And these ways of mindfulness and, and, and taking time out and everything is, is not new. Uh, and, and, you know, are part of, of, of all cultures. I think we're slowly getting towards the end of this podcast. But just to finish off, if there is one thing that you could uh, advise our audience to do, mm -hmm. what would that be? Stop, observe what's going on right now and ask yourself, what do I need right now? That's all. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Podcast. <laughs>